This is Purple Radio On Demand. Welcome back to the Palatinate Sport Euros podcast and our fifth group preview where we'll be looking at Group E containing Poland, Slovakia, Spain and Sweden. Today I'm joined by Ben Fleming. Afternoon, gents. Joseph Knight. Good afternoon. And Matt Stiles. How are you doing? And of course, it'll all be carefully marshaled by myself, James Reid. So Group E then, uh, let's start with the favourites for the group, on paper at least Spain. They come into the tournament in far less dramatic circumstances than the last one, obviously having sacked uh, Julian Lopetegui before the 2018 World Cup. But there's been a bit of a change of the guard in terms of the playing squad, with few survivors from that golden generation about a decade ago. And of course, the notable absence of Sergio Ramos. So I'll go to you first, Ben. What do we make of this Spain squad? Uh, no, I think, to be honest, this Spain squad, although you mentioned the golden generation is not there anymore, it, it, it resembles to me a lot of the tropes of, of many Spanish squads in terms of, I mean, there's a hell of a lot of talent in that midfield, but seemingly not a lot going on up front. I mean, you mentioned... Ramos leaving at the back, and sh- oh, well, not being there at the back. We'll get on to that. That, that, that seems like a, uh, a bizarre one for me, given that the ones are probably going to start. You may, you may be looking at Laporte, who's not been in and around that setup, and, and Garcia, who's, who's only played a handful of games for City. So a, a, solid, a solid midfield, which, which you always come to assume with this Spanish team. But I think there's a lot of problems um, in a lot of other areas of the pitch, personally. Yeah, you mentioned the forwards there. I mean, I suppose that's... They do have some options it's a, compared to recent seasons where they've sort of they've put sort of Diego Diego Costa up front or even back in the day when it says Fabregas. What do we what do we make of their sort of striking options? I'll go to you, Joe. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. I think um, obviously you've got um, Ferran Torres uh, in there from City. You've got Morata in there. Um, Gerard Moreno, who's had a fantastic season for Villarreal, scored in the Europa League final. Um, and Adama Traore as well, probably coming off the bench. I think it's it's not a first class Spanish uh, front line. I, I, it's not it's not the kind of Diego Costa or the um, Fernando Torres before he came to Chelsea. Um, but uh, it's still definitely got firepower in there, uh, particularly if uh, the likes of Murata and Torres get get firing. Yeah, and then I suppose looking defensively, Matt. As sort of Ben highlighted, uh, no Sergio Ramos, obviously 180 caps, 23 goals, and sort of he was their ninth highest goal scorer of all time. And I think he was about six or seven caps off of the all time uh, highest international caps ever. Just how big of a miss will potentially a player like that be in, in this sort of fairly uh, unexperienced squad? Yeah, I mean, I think he was joint top scorer in the qualifying with four goals. So it's not just the defensive side. He does bring a lot more than that to the table. Um, in terms of leadership qualities, you've got Laporte, who's obviously, a you know, at times a world-class player. But he's been starved of action. John Stones, bullying him to the bench in an unexpected turn of events. Um, Pau Torres, brilliant player, uh, but inexperienced, ultimately. Eric Garcia, as Ben says, you know, only a handful of games for City this year. But... It's a huge loss and it's a massive gamble, which uh, remains to be seen whether it will pay off or not. Yeah, I think it's definitely perhaps one of those squads where starting 11-wise, it's really, really strong going forward and at the back. But behind them, then there is a little bit of a there's a lack of quality. I think Azpilicueta is sort of their only real recognised right-back going this, this summer, which is probably a bit of a concern. But I suppose the one place where there's almost 
a, a plethora of options is, of course, the midfield that we all associate with Spain. I'll go back to you, Ben. I mean, just how good is this Spanish midfield and how do we see it lining up? Yeah, I mean, how good? I mean, it's I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, if I, you know, Lorente and, Ped, Lorente rather, and Pedri are two guys that um, certainly have had fantastic seasons domestically. You've got uh, Thiago, Busquets, Koke and Rodri have all had, you know, years and years of great seasons. You've got um, Fabian, who's been playing amazing for Napoli. I mean, I, I can see personally um, Rodri probably getting the edge in terms of that one that just sits. Um, I think he's probably usurp Busquets just about if, if you look at the big games um, that they play internationally you know I think sometimes in some of the friendlies Busquets seems to get the nod but I think in some of the bigger games and I think especially given how he's played this season I think Rodri will probably just get that start then I, I can see maybe Thiago and Koke as, as, as the other two alongside maybe Pedri I mean it's it's really difficult to uh, to, to, to to try and pick three I certainly wouldn't be the wouldn't want to be the man doing it, but their their sport for choice that is for certain. Yeah, I think Pedri especially is one. Obviously, he was playing second division Spanish football last season for Las Palmas, and suddenly is now sort of potentially one of the the young stars of this tournament. And then I suppose the only looking at the final sort of part of the pitch we haven't yet looked at again seems to be the nature of David de Gea at the minute. But questions following David de Gea around Joe, uh, he's not necessarily doesn't seem to be nailed on, and obviously. Going into a major tournament without knowing your number one is not particularly ideal. No, it's not ideal at all. I mean, that keeper um, spot is so key uh, in a tournament. It's it's the base of that spine um, uh, that creates uh, tournament winning squads. And if you have David De Gea coming in uncertain of his spot, it definitely damages the whole team. And um, I think it's obviously he's been displaced by Dean Henderson at United as number one. He's He's had that knock um, in confidence with uh, the Europa League final, obviously not saving any of the 11 penalties and then missing the one that meant Villarreal won. Um, I think, yeah, the keeper is probably an area in which uh, this Spain squad is probably at its weakest, I'd say. Um, I mean, the potential notable absence from from the the list is Arisabal Lager, but obviously he hasn't had any game time. Chelsea, um, I think they have they have these keepers have the potential to be quality, but I just don't know whether the confidence is there, particularly for De Gea, um, who certainly has his um, is looking behind him at, at, at Sanchez and Simon. Yeah, I think it feels incredible that we're saying that about someone like De Gea. Uh, you know, sort of four or five years ago, it would be sort of crazy to think he would be sort of uh, in this position, but there we are. And I suppose finally, just sort of make, what do we Matt, what do we make of Spain as a whole? When you look at some of their recent matches, obviously beat Germany, an out-of-sorts Germany, in all fairness, 6-0 in the Nations League in November. But then some of the recent uh, qualifying performances have been a bit iffy, 1-1 with Greece, a very, very late winner against Georgia, and then losing 1-0 to Ukraine in Kiev in recent uh, in recent games as well. So it's not it doesn't exactly smack of a side coming in on full confidence, but as we've seen, is there still that potential and that talent to, to really cause a problem in this tournament? Yeah, I mean, the 6-0 against Germany was just evidence enough of their potential. It's just whether they can do it consistently, as you say. I think a lot of those players will be out to prove a lot because Spain have seemed to be in perpetual decline since you know, 2012, really, when the stars getting older and fading away with no one really to replace them. The likes of Dani Olmo, 
the likes of Pedri, uh, lots of Ferran Torres, I mean, all look to be a spark and create things and prove the doubters wrong. I think it's a real, real dark horse. And if they play their cards right under Enrique, who, you know, led Barca to a treble, for God's sake, they could, they could go far and um, turn the tide on what has been a pretty, sh well, shocking few years for them, relatively speaking. Very much so. But, but first, of course, they do have to qualify from the group. And it's not the easiest group on paper, at least. Let's talk about Poland then. Twice uh, finished third place in the World Cup many years ago, but not had the best record at major tournaments in recent seasons, particularly at the Euros, but were disappointing in the World Cup in Russia in what was a fairly kind group, along with the likes of Colombia and Senegal, and really sort of flattered to deceive. But could this be uh, the, the squads to really offer something different this time, Joe? Um, I think if you take a look at their squad as a whole, um, I think obviously a lot of attention goes to, to Lewandowski, probably quite rightly, uh, given how good he is. But I think if you look at their squad as a whole, there there seems to be this spine to it. The, the, the five or six key players. Uh, so you've got Fabianski in goal um, or Szczesny. Uh, one of the two. And then you've got Jan Bednarek and, and Glick as the centre-half pairing. And then um, Kratroviak in the midfield. And then uh, Lewandowski probably paired with Milik up top. And, and, and I think that gives Poland uh, a kind of structure um, that potentially Spain don't have. Um, and, I, and I think particularly given that they have this star striker in Lewandowski, I think they've definitely got the potential to almost to exceed expectations um, this time, I think, uh, and get Lewandowski deep into a tournament so he can be in contention for the Golden Boot. Yeah, Ben, let's chat about Lewandowski then. Obviously, uh, Joe mentioned Milik. Christoph Piontek is out with injury, so perhaps solves a problem for manager Paolo Sosa in terms of trying to fit all three in the side. But just how important is having a truly sort of world-class number nine in a tournament like this, where games are likely to be tight, there's likely to sort of be that one goal in it. Could he be that difference in sort of taking Poland slightly further than one might expect? I mean, un undoubtedly, I think, you know, this is, you know, he's, he's coming off the back of one of his, probably his best year, you know, breaking Gerb Müller's Bundesliga goal-scoring record. You know, he's, He's been around these tournaments before. This is this is not a case of you know a star emerging. He's been around this squad. He's very much the leader and the captain in the camp. And I think yeah, if, if you're looking for a guy that's that's going to make those differences, you know, when when that one chance falls for them, Poland probably you know if you, if you're thinking about the Spain game, maybe might not have too many chances. I can't think of many better strikers, maybe other than Harry Kane, than than to have that one chance um, fall to fall to them. Uh, in terms of the system. I was I was having a look, and I think it'll be interesting to see whether he goes and and pairs Milik up alongside Lewandowski. I think the sort of three formations they seem to have rotated is sort of like a like a Leeds four one four one, a more sort of traditional four two three one, and then this sort of three four one two with with two strikers. I I quite like the idea, and, and maybe we'll get onto their midfield of of playing sort of three across the midfield. You've got. Um, as Joe said, Krakowiak, you can you can sit in there. You've also got Click and Zielinski, who who have both sort of you know able to 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 do that role, sort of playing those sort of like free eights or you know that that can that can move on up up the pitch. You've got um, Moda, who's had quite a good second half of the season for Brighton. So it'll be interesting to see if he pairs 
Milik up top with Lewandowski might be the case that he does it um, in some of the games where where they, they might be favourites. But I quite like it if they get deep into this tournament, perhaps if they manage to get out of the group, a sort of 4-1-4-1, 4-2-3-1, Klik and Zielinski and Krakowiak. I think that's a, a really strong midfield. Yeah, Matt, I suppose Ben mentioned some the rest of their squad. Is there anything else that sort of any other players that stand out to you? And sort of on the other hand, where does the sort of the weakness and the holes lie in this part of the squad? Yeah, I mean, the players we've all mentioned so far are all central players. And I mean, the fullbacks, when I was looking, seem quite obscure. I'm not too familiar with the likes of Berezinski or Rybus or any of these, these players who play quite standard teams like Lokomotiv Moscow, uh, Sampdoria, etc. So if they can create wide, then they'll have every chance of connecting with those really quality players like Zielinski in the middle. I think he'll be key for them. He's been very good for Napoli and with these meteoric improvements in the last couple of seasons. Um, but I do con- I'm do. i concerned with the supply to Lewandowski. He's only scored two goals in major tournaments in the Euros or World Cup in the last of his whole career, I believe. So that's a problem. Uh, service will be definitely one of the issues that we should look at if they are to get goals in this group and and get past Sweden, who, um, who look to be real challenges for them. Yeah, I suppose then, sort of rounding up on Poland, is this a case of them being hard to beat, compact, hard-working, looking at, like, sort of Mateusz Klick at Leeds, uh, and then hoping that Lewandowski will be able to nick that goal? You look at, sort of, their their results, they've, sort of, done really well against a lot of the weaker sides, but then when they've, sort of, come up against some of the stronger sides in the Nations League, they have struggled. So is that, sort of, the barometer of where they are. Joe's sort of in that middle between sort of too good for sort of the the cannon fodder, but not really quite at that elite level yet. Yeah, I think that's bang on. Uh, I think that pretty much sums up where they are. I think they they have they have a, a, a decent team with some standout players. Um, I think I'd be surprised if they qualified first uh, and beat Spain. Um, I think that would be probably beyond them. Um, I think, yeah, uh, in the World Cup qualifiers, um, uh, they've been beaten by England. Um, I think there is, they, they're kind of in that next best kind of category. Obviously, you've got the elite sides, Belgium, uh, France, Portugal, Spain, Germany, etc. And then they're just below. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's bang on. Um, yeah. I suppose then perhaps moving on to perhaps another side that, potentially fit into that category is Sweden. No Zlatan Ibrahimovic, uh, who made a very fleeting return to international uh, duty before being injured, despite his heavy, heavy criticism of the Sweden manager. But looking beyond the world's most egotistical player, a potentially exciting squad? Absolutely, yeah. I quite like the look of this team. I mean, firstly, I'll... I'll sort of echo what you said about them being on 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 the rung below. You know, they their their nations league group was particularly difficult. You know, Portugal, Croatia, France. They only won one of those six, and that was Croatia at home. So probably on paper the sort of easiest game. Um, so they they do very much seem sort of on a level with Poland in terms of being in that sort of best of the rest um, category in 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 terms of Euros. But they're an, they're an exciting squad. I quite like the fact that Ibrahimovic isn't there. I think obviously he brings that. That, that star quality and, and, and probably more eyes. But you look at what they did in 2018 where they had um, quite a good tournament at the World Cup and, and that was without him. And, and much of this qualifying campaign has been done 
um, simultaneously without him. And you look at some of the the players they've got in in Isaac and Kulazewski, Forsberg. There's 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 plenty of talent to to uh, to get this done without without the main man. Yeah, for sure. I think it's definitely a number of sort of young players in particular. I think if we cast our mind back to that World Cup quarter final, I think Marcus Berg potentially could have had a hat trick uh, had he been a, perhaps a better finisher and Jordan Pickford hadn't bailed us out a few times. But Matt is someone like Alexander Isaac, who's been in great form for Real Sociedad after sort of having a stumbling start to his career at Borussia Dortmund, and even someone like Jordan Larson, son of Henrik. Do they finally have sort of that extra bit of firepower who can sort of grab those goals, but also aren't living in the shadow of Ibrahimovic? Yeah, uh, Isaac has been phenomenal, as you say. And a real wild card is, as you say, Henrik Larson, who I think has got 15 goals for Spartak Moscow this year. He looks uh, to be the real deal if he can link up play with, with Isaac. So, yeah, as you say, <laughs> Ibrahimovic, him, being, him not being there could be a real blessing in disguise. I mean, the team as well, as, it's like so similar to Poland. You can't really call between the two. They're so similar in the sense it's a solid team, some good standout players, some obscure players who don't necessarily do well uh, domestically, like uh, Quezon or Semmer. But for some reason, on the international stage, they all deliver. And uh, in defence, they should be solid. I mean, they've got a wealth of options to partner Lindelof. Um, it's Holanda, uh, who I believe has never lost a game for Rangers uh, since uh, signing. We've also got Pontus Janssen, obviously promoted with Brentford. And the veteran Gronquist, is that how you pronounce his name? <laughs> a fan favourite for many years. So I think they should do well. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them qualify above Poland. Yeah, they've still got quite a few um, sort of old... Some of the old guard, you mentioned Grankfist, but also uh, Mikhail Lustig, who was at Celtic for a while, and uh, Seb Larson, who's still going at 35. Uh, and it looks like he may well be playing central midfield. Is that, Joe, potentially a weakness, however, that someone like uh, Larson, who obviously back in the day was a great player in the Premier League, especially from set pieces, but is he the sort of midfielder you want uh if you really want a sort of a deep run at this tournament? Um, yeah, I mean, I think Larson's been included particularly for his set-piece ability. I think that's pretty much the reason why he's he's there. I think something that I have noticed about this, particularly the midfield and the link-up with the strikers, um, with this Swedish squad, is is Victor Klaassen, Christopher Olsen and Marcus Berg all play for Krasnodar. Um, uh, and I think that kind of... Particularly for, I think England are slightly different in that because all their players play in the same league. But for teams like this, where you've got players coming together from all all different parts of the continent, having that kind of nucleus of players who play regularly together, who have some kind of chemistry in the midfield, is actually uh, quite a strength. So I think yes, they have these um, old older players, Marcus Berg. Um, Seb Larsson, Gronkvist, but I think there's definitely a nice balance to this side uh, and a nice chemistry, and um, particularly with the the young players like Kulusevski, um, particularly. And I suppose finally, the one we mentioned Kulusevski there, along and I suppose he's really one of those. He'll be carrying the attacking threat alongside uh, Emil Forsberg. I suppose when you put that together, Forsberg, Isaac, Kulusevski, if they can keep it sort of tight at the back, Ben, is there actually a chance that they could cause a lot of problems, perhaps 
in the sense that they'll be greater than some of their parts. They don't have a sort of a talismanic figure like Lewandowski, but the squad as a whole is stronger and that might be what pips them to, to sort of second or even first place. Yeah, I think that's a massive bonus. I think this team is, as we've all said, sort of very well balanced. Um, I like the fact that, um, you know, I, I was saying I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what formation we're going to see from Poland. I'm not sure how they're going to fit everyone in together. We know with the Swedish team, we're going to probably get a 4-4-2. Um, Kulazewski might play off the right. He might play centrally up with Isaac. You'll have Forsberg coming in off the left. Um, Kleisen, he can play out wide. Berg up top. I think everyone knows their role in this team. They've clearly got this identity where, okay, they're going to they're gonna sit deep. They're going to defend. But also now with Isaac, with Kulazewski, they have got a bit more pace on the break. So you might not see, you might see them being able to counter more, um, being able to counter more effectively. And yeah, I, th- I just think, I just think there's probably a better chemistry in this squad. I think the fact that they've got a nailed down formation, they've got players that suit the way they want to play. I, I think that probably is what pips them ahead of Poland for me. I know we'll get to our prediction maybe a bit later on, but uh, I, I do like the settled um, tactical identity that, that the Swedish team has. Yeah, a bit of a club vibe perhaps um, compared to obviously Poland who appointed Paolo Sosa in January, which is pretty last minute. Uh, finally, let's talk about Slovakia then. Probably the weakest team in the group on paper, Matt. But as we've seen in previous Euros, you cannot rule any side out. Could they potentially spring a surprise? No. No. I don't I don't see enough here. Because um, when your talisman is Marek Hamšík, who's ancient, has been plying his trade in Sweden, I don't think that's the sort of player you want to be relying on. At the back, you've you obviously got Skriniar, who will keep things solid to some extent, and Dubravka will obviously do well. But I don't think they have quite enough in these ranks to uh, qualify. They have some solid players in midfield. Got Kuchka, got uh, professionals like uh, Pekarik, who's been playing for forever, it seems, for Hertha Berlin. But no, I think overall it's pretty poor. I mean, Ben, is Matt being too harsh there? I mean, you know, obviously they have ultimately qualified. Uh, for this tournament ahead of various other teams. There are a lot of good teams that haven't qualified. You look at like Serbia, perhaps. So they must have something about them, if, albeit if it's sort of quite sort of industrious and workmanlike. Is there any sort of players that stand out to you, perhaps, that could spring a surprise to play it to sort of audiences that are less familiar with the Slovakian side? I mean, Skriniar is the, the obvious one to mention. I think he's going to be crucial. Him and, him and Dubravka at the back, you know, they're going to be a side that's going to be facing a lot of pressure and, and going to need to defend well. So you'd imagine that those two are going to be pretty key. You know, I, I, I like their midfield. You know, Hamsik, you mentioned, has has returned back to Sweden, I think, to get a bit of game time in because, of course, the the Chinese um, division is sort of year to year. So he's he had sort of six... Well, he was facing the the idea of sort of six months without any football. So, no, he's, he's, he's still got um, ability. Obviously, they've got um, Lobotka, I think, who plays... Um, in the Syria, I, I believe. So, look, there's players here that that have ability. I just don't know whether there are enough to to warrant putting them forward as, as someone who can who can surprise um, the likes of Poland and, and and Sweden, who have you know squads where okay, fine, the the maybe 
your their best player can may, maybe Lewandowski aside, their best player isn't amazing, but their sort of worst player is a lot higher up. They're sort of a lot more bunched together in terms of their talent size. I mean, I think I think the fact that um, in their last uh, game it was before before this most recent friendly, their their fullbacks at a combined age of sixty nine, um, sort of put puts together to me that this is this is quite an old squad. You know, that's that's thirty four and thirty five. At right back and left back now Hamsik is is certainly well into his 30s um it's an old squad it's a squad that doesn't really have a, a striker I think a Juris is is their striker he sort of starts most of the games I think he's got seven goals and about 50 odd caps so I think there there is individual players but I just don't think there's enough to to say with any confidence that that this is the this is the group where where we're going to see a surprise yeah, I suppose it's if you are going to spring a surprise, this is quite a strong group to do so. So let's, I mean, I'll go to Joe first. And if we're looking at sort of predictions, is sort of are Slovakia going to be one of, uh, is it fourth place? And are they going to be, you know, we're sort of seeing them, even if they finish third, it's probably going to be one of those sides that are going to get knocked out anyway as, as one of the, the unlucky two. Yeah, I I can't. I'd, I'd, I'd be astounded if they got past the group stage I think they're um yeah Ben you mentioned Juris I think I I, I don't even know if he, he's going to start um because uh their their manager has started Duda and Hamshik um up top and um, because of Juris's dreadful form in front of goal uh, and when you've got a 33 midfielder leading the line I, admittedly Hamshik has been fantastic for them before and I just can't see them getting past some of the the defences in the, in this group, particularly Sweden's low defensive block. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I, 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 I'd go as far as to say they might not even get any points. Um, one or two, if they get a couple, nick a couple of draws, but um, Spain will definitely be, be in there for, for some points. Well, I don't think we'll be particularly popular in Bratislava forever, <laughs> forever down that way, but let's hope they're not listening. In terms of players to watch them for this group, perhaps some that we haven't uh, mentioned so far. Who stands out? I'll go to you, Matt, first. Across as sort of perhaps one of those players who's going to have a breakout, a breakout tournament, and sort of really announce themselves to Premier League fans. I will just, you know, be nice to Slovakia. Apparently, uh, Thomas Suslev, uh, a winger, is only nineteen. He's been very good for Grunigan this year, so I'll start with him. But he's not obviously my main choice. You know what? I really like the look of Marcus Lorente. Um, I'm intrigued by him. His versatility is something to behold. And if he can play in any position for Spain, I think he can really announce himself. And he's very young. Uh, he seems like the real deal already. So I'm going to go for Marcus Lorente. Yeah, he's been sort of transformed uh, in this Atleti side under Diego Simeone from sort of a a defensive midfielder at Real to now sort of this goal-scoring all-action midfielder, which could be quite exciting for Spain, who don't really have anyone in that mould, perhaps. Uh, ben, who stands out for you? Um, well, I think in that, if, if we're going to head to the Spain team, I like I like Pedri's chance of starting, and I like, um, you know, if, if, if people haven't watched too much of La Liga, then they might not have seen him at Barcelona, but I like... I like his chances of having a good tournament. I, I do like um, Modere, I think it is, uh, for, 
for, for Poland. He might not force his way into um, the team, especially if you've got Klik, Zielinski and Krajkowiak ahead of him. But he, he's been a very understated part of, of um, Brighton's team for the last six months. Um, and, and, and I think this, this could be one where in this Polish team, there might be a bit more spotlight on him and, and we, can, we can appreciate that, that he is quite a good player. Um, Kleissen for Sweden, I know um, Matt mentioned players that, that seem to not really bring uh, a whole lot of uh, form for their clubs, but, but, but seem to pull it out of their bag uh, for their country. And Kleissen seems to be one of those players. It'll be interesting to see if, if he starts... Um, on the right, especially if if Kulisevsky goes up front, but I I I'd, I'd be uh, maybe maybe sticking a, a cheeky bet on him to to bag a couple of goals in the group stages because he seems like one of those guys that, that that could have a sort of weird tournament where he gets a few. And then finally, Joe, I suppose we've 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 perhaps given you the short show a little bit, but uh, anyone else that sort of uh, that stands out? Um, yeah, I I I think my first pick. Um, I'm glad no one said it, but uh, is probably uh, Alexander Isaac for uh, um, Sweden. I think if he starts, um, I don't know whether he will, whether he'll get there in front of Marcus Berg um, or not. But I think coming into a tournament without the shadow of Big Zlatan, um, I think will probably do him some good. And I think if he bags a couple of goals um, and continues his, his form for Sociedad, um, I think he could find himself nabbed up by a Premier League team in the not too distant future. Yeah, definitely. He seems sort of to have recovered from what was sort of he looked like he hadn't wasn't potentially going to fulfill his potential at, at Borussia Dortmund, but now looks like the real deal potentially. And then I suppose let's chat about predictions. Then I think we all know who you're all going to put in fourth, but in terms of who's going to qualify from the group. Uh, I'll start. I'll start with you, Joe. Uh, who's your one to four? I think it's. It's. I think this one's hard to predict. I think it's uh, those top three um, are quite hard, and I think the they're, they're teams that have gone through quite similar experiences. They've kind of had um, a bit of drama either around their manager or around kind of a star player, um, and in all four of those teams, um, so they're coming into this almost, um, yeah, with similar experiences. I think I'd be foolish not to put Spain top. Um, and I think I'd probably put Sweden second and Poland a close third. Um, I think Poland might get through uh, into the, is it a round of 16? Um, yeah, on the third place. Um, and then Slovakia bottom. Matt? Yeah, I mean, symmetrical, yeah. Bang on the same. I think Sweden have far more quality uh, than Poland overall. Poland will be quite workmanlike. And if they can't find the service, then unfortunately they won't be able to get very far. Slovakia, of course, bottom. I don't see them getting more than one or two points, as Joe said. And Spain, yeah, I think they'll they'll really surprise a few. A few. I think they look really quite good in, in, in attack. They look energetic, dynamic. Um a lot of enigmatic players that should um, turn a few heads. So yeah, Spain top, Sweden, Poland maybe in the third place qualifying, but probably not. And then Slovakia. Ben, is Sweden versus Poland that your crunch game for you as well, or is it slightly different? Yeah, I think I'm probably going to sound like a bit of a broken record, but I, I can see it largely going the way that they that the other boys have said. Um, I think 
I think uh, Slovakia will um, end up bottom of the group. I think Poland probably third. Sweden, I, I have absolutely no, I have absolutely no footballing logic um, or stats or anything. I mean, I literally started my Sweden analysis by saying they'd only um, beaten one of Portugal, Croatia, and France in the Nations League. But I think if there was one team, I would say that that might finish second out of the big boys. I just, I'm just so confused about this Spanish centre back and the Spanish defence as a whole that. I could, I could see a world, I'm not going to predict it, but I could see a world where, where Sweden uh, finish, finish top of this group. I think, I think Spain have got a lot in the middle of the park, a lot going forward, but I just don't, I just don't know what Laporte and Garcia are probably going to start. Yes, yes, they got the understanding from City, but I really worry for their, their game time, especially with De Gea behind them. So if a shock's going to happen out of any of these major nations, not in terms of Spain not qualifying, I think, I think they'll still come second, but I could see Sweden in in some bizarre turn of events pipping them to the to the top spot. There we are. Thank you very much. I suppose, I mean, at least we're all agreed on uh, on Slovakia, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but the rest of the group should hopefully be quite an exciting tale, uh, and that wraps up the fifth preview that we've done now as we race towards the start of the Euros. Uh, they're getting closer and closer, thankfully. And obviously, throughout the tournament, we'll be continuing to bring you podcasts and articles as much as possible uh, throughout the tournament to keep you updated for the sort of a bit of insight, discussion and analysis as much as as much as possible all the way to the final. Uh, thank you again for listening to the latest episode of the Platinum Euros podcast and make sure to tune in next time. Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio Podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.